So don't miss out. If you like what you see, if you've come into this community and you're sitting on the fringes of this community, lean in. Just lean in. Just put your hand up. Put yourself on the radar. Let one of our team know. We'll find a place for you. There is a power and anointing that comes on you when you lean in to the heart of God's church and what he's doing. Oh, it's just too safe out on the fringes. It's a little bit beige out on the fringes, but come into the heart of God. Come into the heart of his church. This is where the fire is. This is where the power is. Lean in, my friends. I'm calling to you in this time. So we are uh, continuing this theme, One Another. A great theme, actually, for this Anzac weekend. And this theme is to focus on having successful relationships in all spheres and learning how to honour and appreciate one another. And it does make me think of um, our Anzacs this weekend. And I don't know if you've been watching... um, the services and the honour and the appreciation and the upholding that's come out. I thank God that we are in a nation that uh, gives honour where it's due and respect that we are 100 years on and the honour continues. That that does good for my soul as the next generation, as a generation that stands on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. I'm personally grateful for that. That's good for my soul. And, you know, I I love the Anzacs because they serve for the greater benefit of this nation that we call home. And I I saw a poignant Instagram that G put up, actually, which showed, um, hey, how are you, man? It's Michael. Good to see you, man. Welcome. Nice to have you back. Uh, G put up this Instagram, and it was a a young mum and her children sitting um, on a picnic area, and under the foundations of the earth were the the soldiers actually upholding that foundation, and you saw them, you know, in the midst of battle, upholding that foundation, which is a poignant image um, for our Anzacs, and also it's the reality of the church. I know I stand where I stand for those that have gone before me, for my parents, for the prayers, for the service. And I'm calling us all up, church, into the privilege of serving in this day and in this hour. And I love 1 Chronicles 4.40, and it says, And the cleared land was wide, quiet, and peaceful, because people of Ham had dwelt there of old and had left it a better place for those who came after them. That was the Anzac's privilege, and that is our privilege today in the context of the church, in the context of extending the kingdom of God on earth and in his house and out into the marketplace. This is our privilege that we add value to the room when we enter the room, that in the house of God, we add value. We create a better place for the next generation, all those young men and women that we are praying for tonight. We make a better place for them, a place that is wide and quiet and peaceful and filled with his presence. And we, you know, not just for them, but for now, for the next person that walks through those doors, that they would come in and they would encounter his presence because we've made a way. We've made a way in this place, in our prayers and in our service. We've made a way for his presence to impact every life that walks in through those doors. John 13, 34, the epitome of sacrifice is in our Christ. And it says, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another just as I have loved you so that you too shall love one another. Oh, I love that scripture. I love that reality. And here's the thing about our Christ. You know, there was a powerful example of sacrificial love in his death. This is true. We saw that he laid down his life 
for humanity. But I want to remind us here tonight that he did not just deny himself in dying, he denied himself in living. Every day that he lived was to do the will of the Father. Every day was denying himself and sacrificing his own will and whim. He didn't have a family, he didn't have a wife, but he was a normal human man. No, he laid down every dream that he would have in that way, and rather he gave his life to ministry actually, to the perfect will of the Father. I am just as blown away in the sacrifice that he showed us in his living as in his dying. And that is the sacrifice we are actually called to follow, one that yields our will to his perfect will. Oh, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done in this life, in Jesus' mighty name. You know, to deny ourselves and serve others is the antidote to this entitled generation. And I can talk like that because I'm a part of the next generation. And it is fair to say that in the current of the world, there was a strong sense of entitlement. I am due this, I am due that. You need to treat me this way. Everything's safeguarded, everything's PC. But rather than get caught up in the culture of the earth, we are called to a higher calling. And service knocks out the kinks. It knocks out the influence of the world. It knocks it out. And rather, it is the antidote to that very thing. And rather, it causes the very heart of heaven to permeate who we are. And we find ourselves living beyond ourselves. We find ourselves living beyond how we would, we would choose to spend our days and our hours. Rather, we find ourselves caught up in and, and, and moved by the very cause of heaven and giving our life and our breath and our energy and our desires over to his greater cause. Why don't you give God a shout of praise tonight if you too are caught up in that greater cause. I have never felt such an urgency in the earth to give myself as fully as I'm able to his cause. And you know what I've found in my life? That serving others empowers my relationships. It actually empowers my marriage. My marriage actually works better when I serve heartily. No strings attached. I'm just giving myself to his needs and and what works for him and what he's wired towards and, and not getting caught up in my needs and deals and dramas and diva moments, but just yielding to what I know works for him. When I serve him, it empowers that relationship to work. Serving empowers our relationships. In the workplace, when we serve and give willingly out of the overflow of our heart, it will empower the relationships within the workplace. Family, marriage, workplace, the strength of these relationships hinges on our service to them. They'll come alive. They'll get buoyant. They'll get traction when we serve, when we give, when we give, when we give. Bevan, I see this in you, the way you serve your Queen Arpy, right? Shout out for Bevan. It's very refreshing, my friend. It's very refreshing to watch a gentleman, you know, treating his lady like a queen, right? I've seen how many pairs of shoes she owns. That is a clear indicator. You are a good man. Hint, hint. <laughs> uh, I'm most free in my relationships when I release people of expectation. Our expectations can sometimes hijack the pleasure of our relationships. 
when we've got crazy expectations and we've got people pinned up with this high to-do list of what our expectations are and then when they can't even fulfill numbers one, two and three, let alone 10, 11 and 12,000, we get caught up and we get resentful. But rather, can we just burn the list? Can we just let it go? Can we just release people of expectations? Rather find our soul contentment in Christ. When we get our soul contentment in Christ, which is where it's meant to come from, then out of the overflow of that relationship, we can service our, our relationships rather than having human expectation. I find I need, I have human expectation when I'm not going to that place to get my soul satisfied in Christ. I find a default to it. It's a human inclination to default to expectation. Everyone else has got to fill my love tank. But actually, there's a divine place we can go to where him and him alone will satisfy the very needs of our soul, undiluted download from heaven, words that only the father himself can tell a child, words of insight that come from a father that knows every hair on my head, every desire in my heart, every funky characteristic that I own. There is a place, that undiluted download. Oh my Lord, I pray that you'll know that place then you will let expectation go. You will easily and happily release people of it and be satisfied purely in him. Now, that's not to say that we're to be a doormat. That's not what I'm saying. Don't put up with bad behaviour uh, just because you're secure in Christ. No, you know, use discernment that our ultimate contentment is found in Christ. You know what I'm saying? Awesome. So um, I want to talk a bit about ministry, actually. Funnily enough, one another, this whole idea of one another makes me think of ministry and pastoring. Now, they're formal church terms, but actually it's, it's a, basically it uh, reflects God on earth when we minister to others and when we pastor others. It's not meant to be a formality. It's just meant to be a function of the church on earth when we know Christ. And the beauty of it is that, you know, you get saved and you've got a certain understanding and you kind of help someone with that, uh, an understanding that makes you slightly lesser. And then, the, you know, the next person up, if they've got a different maturity or wisdom or insight, then you kind of find that you're organically partnered. Likeness draws likeness in the community. We don't actually have to have everything. I think as long as you've gotten saved, you can actually run a connect group. And I know that might sound radical, but actually I think once you've met Christ, then likeness draws likeness and others that have just met Christ kind of gather around that vision and they help each other. Then they reach a new place of maturity and maybe they segue out of that into someone that's maybe been around the block a little bit longer and they move on and they develop. Actually, that is discipleship. And actually, we are all called to that and not just in the context of the church, but in the marketplace also. Um, ministry, in essence, is serving others. That's just it. Actually, that's just it. You actually don't need a qualification or a certificate. I just hereby commission you all tonight as ministers of the gospel on the earth, in this day, in this hour. It is urgent that you recognize that you have a certification in Christ tonight. I just want to highlight tonight that each and every one of you have a certification in Christ and you don't need a piece of paper. And it's great if you want to go to Bible college because it will only establish the word further in you, but, you know, you can actually start functioning right where you're at. And you don't have to be holy or special. You just need to move, church. We need to move, right? There are doorways of opportunity. And 
the hour is quickening on the earth. You need to step through the doorways of opportunity. You need to take what's presented to you. Uh, the, the platform for ministry is basically opportunity. And we just need to step through that gateway. We need to step through with boldness and assertion. And you know what? In terms of ministry training, it's just about crashing through the awkwardness. In a nutshell, many times the awkwardness is the only thing that holds us back. That's just lame. Can I just give awkwardness a shout down right now? It's just lame, all right? Because what happens is one day the, the burden of compassion outweighs the awkwardness. And you reach a point that actually the burden of compassion is so crushing, actually, because God's heart for the earth is almost bigger than our human capacity can handle. And when we get a sense of that, then we get moved to crash through the awkwardness. And it's like, stuff the awkwardness, all right? That person's salvation, that person's peace of mind. You know, not even salvation's like the big block for everyone. And it's like, oh my goodness, how do I do that? Well, how about just peace of mind? Everywhere I look, every waiter that serves me at a table at the moment, I can't help but notice that their nails are bitten down, that their hands are shaking. I can see anxiety and depression all over them. What if we saw the person and we just reached out and said, can I pray for you? And we imparted the very presence of heaven into that person's life. They have probably never felt it before. I just feel like a glutton coming in here every week and getting to experience the glory of what this is. And it's not just for me, it's for them. I know what I'm feeling is for Western Sydney. And it's us for Western Sydney. It's God's church for Western Sydney moving out in this time. The foundation for ministry is loving people, not wanting a platform. I want to redefine platform. It's not this, and it's not... It's not this, like this, even for me, just happens every now and then. Most of my platform, most of my place of ministry is out there. It's with my kitties. It's lying in bed at night with, you know, with Sienna when she's having anxious thoughts about her day and just like speaking the peace of God over her. It's, it's having a cup of tea with a girlfriend and listening and just, you don't have to have all the answers. It's sometimes people just need to be heard. And just listening, this platform, I just, I kind of want to just do something with this. I don't know, one of those ones or, <laughs> because it gets in our way. It gets in, in the way of the greater call. Actually, the platform, the place of ministry is everywhere. It's everywhere you look. It's everywhere you lift up your eyes. If we would just lift up our eyes and see the harvest is ripe. And it is everywhere. It's in Neja's Salon. Rose and I hang out in Neja's Salon. And the drama and the burden in the women's life. It's amazing. It's real. Like we're kind of joking, but it's kind of real at the same time. And there have been moments where I've reached through the awkwardness and said, can I pray for you? And the presence of God fills the hair salon and all the crazy Arabs. It's wonderful. <laughs> God bless them. They're so beautiful. They're the most beautiful women on the planet. And they're complex at times. <laughs> God bless them. The foundation for ministry is loving people, not wanting a platform. It's our neighbour. It's our family. It's our connect group. It's our serving context. It's our workplace. It's our sphere of influence. That's our platform for ministry. So stop looking down. Stop overlooking your sphere of influence. People, you are the light in that place. 
please don't deny that place the light because you can't see it, because you're caught up with some other distraction or whatever. See the place that God has appointed you. He has appointed you for this time in the earth without a doubt. Who else is there? If I walked into that place, they wouldn't know me. There would be no rapport. It would take ages to build up a rapport where maybe I could have a conversation, but you are there and they see you and they respect you, Chelsea Bower, in that workplace. And they love you and they'll listen to you. They will because you're upright and you're good and you're kind and you're pure-hearted and they'll listen to you, woman of God. You know, sometimes the platform is simply within a conversation. Like Pastor Hartley talked this morning about 60 seconds he had with a young lady at Bankstown who was asking him for a cigarette. And in the midst of that 60-second conversation, per chance, he got to tell her about Bankstown and give her a flyer and... I believe she's going to be at Bankstown. I believe she's going to meet Jesus there. It was a platform of ministry on the curve in, in the moment of being asked for a cigarette. I love it. That's where Jesus is. You know what? If Jesus was here right now, he would be between the mosque and the jail. And what I love is we are between the mosque and the jail. Hello, Silverwater. Right where Jesus would be. I know we're doing something right. <laughs> You know, and I want to acknowledge all you marketplace ministers. Like, I used to have a physio who was a Catholic Christian, and when he would be treating someone and he wouldn't know what to do, there would just be a blockage, he would ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me what to do. I understand the complexities of this person's body. Show me what to do, Holy Spirit. And he would be led. And I want to empower you marketplace ministers tonight. I mean, I think of those in education. I think of those in health, like the ministry of health the ministry place of the hospital, in those wards with the loneliness and the torment of that place, to be a, a nurse or a doctor in that place, a cleaner even in that place, and to bring the presence of God to that place. Educators, teachers, the ministry of education, I want to uphold it tonight, empowering the next generation with insight and wisdom and knowledge. I believe it's the backbone for our young people, the ministry of education. In fact, I'd just like you to stand if you're a, an educator, if you're in health. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, Chrissy, of what you do looking after uh, complex home life situations, working with foster kids, going in as a minister of life and light and truth into those places and speaking life into dark, dark places. Would you just stand with me right now, right across the room, if you know you're appointed as a minister in the marketplace? It's, it's probably Nia, beautiful nurse, Kate, working with foster kids. It's awesome. I salute you, brave representatives of Jesus out there. You're awesome. I commission you afresh. G with a great gift to network and connect and connect people to the house of God. I just salute every one of you. Lord, I just commission afresh these ministers of the marketplace, Lord. I thank you, Lord. It is valid where you have appointed them, God. I thank you, Lord. They won't shrink back from lifting up your name in their place. I thank you, Lord. They will lift up your name. They will lift up your name. They will lift up your name in their sphere of influence, Lord. I thank you that you pour out your Holy Spirit on them, Lord. You fill them overflowing, God, that they would feel a tangible, fresh anointing for where they're positioned, Lord. I thank you they won't grow tired 
tired and weary in representing you and standing, sometimes standing in very difficult places, Lord. I thank you. You strengthen them. I thank you. They're made for this. They're born for their appointment, Lord. They're made for this, Lord, and they're enabled by your spirit. Fill them, Lord, each one, our ministers in the marketplace right now in Jesus' holy name. And the church said, Amen. So we need to invite the Holy Spirit into our daily encounters, right? That's where the power is, right there. When we invite the whole, that's the dynamic element of our relationship with him. That's the fun part. You don't know what he's going to open up for you in any given day. It's a crazy ride. I personally like a little bit of adventure. I like a little bit of shenanigans. I like when it gets a bit different, a bit, I don't mind a bit of creative chaos. And I find that the Lord just does that when you just lean in and kind of partner with and make yourself available. Carly Lewis knows all about this. Your whole life is about this amazing partnership with the Holy Spirit, leaning in, making yourself available, called for a big, magnificent uh, impact on the earth. Can we just salute Carly Lewis tonight? Absolute legend. No one like you. Brave woman of God. Going for it. I love it. So this is what it says in Genesis 1-2. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, when we find ourselves, or the ones we love, or the people in our sphere of influence, in situations that are formless, empty, or in deep waters. This is what we do. We invite God in. He hovers over the surface of the situation. Just like he hovered over the deep waters, just like he hovered over the empty, formless places, we are, we are the intercession. We are the ones that stand in the gap and calling God to hover over the surface of what is formless, what are, the, what are deep waters, what are without form. We invite him in to hover over that place. And this is what happens when you invite him to hover over those places because he is light. And verse 3 says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. He illuminates the darkest of circumstances. He comes into those formless places and light permeates those places and brings strategy and brings answer. But what if we don't invite him in? Like we just keep functioning on autopilot. We just keep functioning in our workplaces and what, but whatever, but on the day when you invite the very power of heaven, heaven into those places to permeate those dark circumstances, to permeate those formless places, those deep waters, then it brings illumination into that place. As he hovers over the deep waters, it illuminates a way. When we can't see a way, when it looks like nothing, he brings light. He brings light into those places and we see a way and life, life, hope, hope and life are rejuvenated on the inside of us and in the ones that we're praying for. Why in the world would we function without inviting God into those places? Why would we function in our own human capacity? It's so limited. It's empty. <clears throat> and if at the very least the people that we're praying for can feel his presence even if they could just feel that, even if all the answers didn't unfold in one glorious moment, if they could just taste his presence, I know that's the beginning of everything changing. Tasting his presence is like nothing else. You know, I can think of a time, I was about 16 years old and I'd been on exchange in Germany and I'd come home and dad had had a horrific heart attack and gone through three, um, uh, a triple bypass and was in recovery mode. I remember I came home 
and uh, he couldn't pick me up from the airport because he was recovering. And he, he sat on the lounge and he was this, this weak, little, vulnerable man that I had never seen before. Like my father was like a pillar of strength for our family. And then to come home and to look at this man and think, who is this man that I'm facing right now? I couldn't, I couldn't connect it. And because I'd been on the other side of the world when everything had been happening, I felt quite removed from it. And so I found... As a typical 16-year-old, I just got really angsty and probably knew an anger that I have never known since in my entire life. And I, I would just pace in my room and, and vent like under my breath and I was consumed by this anger and just being a teenager, didn't necessarily have the vocab to have a mature conversation about it, you know, and wasn't really reading my Bible like maybe I could. I was just, in, I was eclipsed by this angst. I was eclipsed by this anger. And, you know, sometimes words just aren't enough when that's going down. And this is why I am beseeching us, church, not just to offer people words. So often we just go with that comfortable option of the token words, but the power is not in the words. The power is in the prayer. And I, um, all I would do in that time was go into my older sister's room who always had a legit relationship with the Lord. And I lay down on her bed and she just put her hand on my head. She didn't say a word. She did not say a word. She just put her hand on my head. And I just lay there and the love of God just filled my whole person. It was like a warm bath just came over me and just settled every anxious and angry thought and I just lay and rest, and my soul knew rest. My soul knew rest. Friends, there are people who have been carrying angsty stuff in their soul, and they have not known rest for years and years and years and years and years. In one encounter of his love, when that very presence fills us, our soul finds rest. Our soul finds its origins. It actually connects with what we're here for. It connects with the one who made us. Oh, church, can we please move out of the comfort place of words? And rather, can we offer the very power of heaven in a moment of prayer where we invite his presence? And I just want to show you how easy it is. It's actually not that hard. Any one of us can do it. It's very simple. All right, I need a volunteer. Jared, perfect. <laughs> just stay, just sit down. This is easy. Dylan, I'll get you later. Payback on behalf of Jared, you little sneaky so-and-so. <laughs> now, this is easy. You just, you know, you just come up, you approach the person. Can I pray for you? Oh, you're not going to say no. You're not going to be difficult. That's awesome. No, no, you can't. You don't need to. Most people actually aren't difficult. Most people are actually fine. If, they, if you have a rapport with them, it makes the way for them to say yes. Rapport is everything. And he just, can I pray for you? And then he just pray, Lord. And you actually, you just leave a bit of a gap because God fills gaps. And you don't pray out of an anxious thoughts kind of place because you don't want to sort of project anxious anxiety all over them. They don't need that. They've got enough of that at home. So you just calm yourself. Lord, I thank you for Jared. I thank you that you see him, that you've got him covered. 
I thank you every concern he has in his heart is not too great for you. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. Fill him overflowing. I thank you that you make a way for him, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I kind of feel at peace. Do you feel that? Do you feel that, most importantly? That's it. We can do that, can't we? Can't we do that? It's not about tricky words. It's just, come on, Lord. You see this person. You're bigger than this situation. Please fill them. And you don't, don't fill all the gaps with tricky words. God doesn't want to hear a religious prayer. They don't need to hear a religious prayer. They just need the presence. They really just need the presence. All right, that's almost enough. I'm feeling good. Are you feeling good? Feeling really refreshed. (laughs) So God forbid we would render him powerless by sitting in the comfort of our words because we would function within the safety of our words rather than exercising the power of heaven. No, church, we are a sharp sword and we're going to represent him well in this day and in this hour. Amen. You know, the preparation for ministry is serving in serving others is self-sacrifice. Now, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? But I've definitely found it to true, be true in parenting and in serving other ministers. It kind of deals with all the funky stuff on the inside of us. It's good. It's go away. It knocks out all the kinks. Bill Benno says, how we walk with the broken speaks louder than how we sit with the great. Amen. I'm calling our soul church to walk with the broken. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez says, a person carrying a word from heaven can overcome what others cannot. A person carrying a word from heaven cannot be stopped, silenced or held captive. A person carrying a word from heaven can move hindering mountains, shout down opposing walls, cast out contrary spirits and bring light to dark places and you are that person. Amen. Mighty church, come on, let's praise God here tonight. Because my aim on this platform, this platform is actually not applause. It's to bring freedom. It's to see people uh, uh, free out of their dark thoughts. It's actually to see people delivered. It's to, it's to bring life, hope, faith, healing, salvation. And it's to mobilize the people. Tonight, I just want to give you a little loving push into that place that you would actually bring heaven into your world. You'll call heaven down into your circumstances. You know, the platform is a place of ministry in which we fight for the people. This is what I come up here to do. I actually roll my sleeves up. I'm a bit like an Anzac tonight. I really get up on my battleground and I come out here to fight for the people. And not just you, you, certainly you, but the ones standing behind you that are going to come in and fill this auditorium and fill these seats and meet Christ and know a transformed life. That's who I'm fighting for. That's who I'm fighting for. Because this is what pastoring is for me. If I could actually demonstrate it tonight, this is what pastoring looks like. It's me on my knees, pouring my guts out for the church, asking you, how can I help you? How can I help you? 
How can I help you? What can I do to serve you? Actually, this is what pastor looks like. I don't, I don't even know that well. I don't know a world of, um, of, of Hollywood glamour pastoring. This is the only world I know. Down in the dirt, down in the trenches of prayer, pouring my heart out for the people, going to that place so that you would know freedom, the abundance of freedom, buoyant freedom, living your best life. This is the place of pastoring. This is what it looks like. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Let me pour my life out for you. That's my heart. And you know, pastoring, actually in its simplicity, it, it, is, it is fighting for people. It is having the awkward conversations because you love people. Can we please not be a church where we ignore the elephant in the room, but rather can we crash through the awkwardness because we love people, we actually care about people so we can actually talk about the stuff? Can we do that? And I'm going to ask the band to come. It's almost enough talking. I'm going to ask the band to come. But this is, what, this is what pastoring really means. It is an enduring love. Pastoring is an enduring love. It's actually described this way in Colossians. Close yourself, clothe yourself, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, his own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by putting on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy, kind feeling, a lowly option or opinion of yourselves, gentle ways, and patience which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. Oh, Lord, help us be that church. Help us actually love people with, that endure with good temper and kindness and pour our hearts and lives out for people because the world is coming. The world is coming to these doors. They're going to come in through here and we've got to be ready, church. We've got to be ready to say, I'm going to be a connect leader. I've never thought about being the connect leader, but I know Christ and I'm therefore validated to be a connect leader or I'm going to move out of my comfort place and I'm actually going to serve. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to lean into the heart of the church because the world needs me in this hour. It's calling out for me in this hour and above all these put on love. That is sacrificial love. That is a life poured out kind of love. That is a life like Jesus, a love like Jesus that wasn't just represented in his dying. But every breath that he breathed, every day that he lived, we saw his love, a life poured out, a life poured out. And Jess, I'm going to ask you to come, my little helper. This is what pastoring really looks like. This is what uh, enduring for people looks like. It's not just helping them. It's not just talking. It's, it's having the conversations. It's doing the wrestle. And sometimes when they can't even walk any further, it literally means picking them up and carrying them because you give a damn. Carrying them across the finish line. Carrying them to that place of freedom. Carrying them to that place of wholeness. Carrying them to that place of empowerment because they're worth it. Because you give a damn about their salvation. You care about their freedom. You care about their peace of mind. It's about carrying the people. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Jess. We just don't have time to be fickle, church. I didn't waste time on you. Can you come with me and not waste your precious time on another? Can you give your life one for another? Because somebody made a way for you. Somebody got you in this place by their prayers, by their beseeching, by their begging or bribing you came. 
So now on this night, with the world on our doorsteps and Jesus coming soon, will you come now, church? Will you carry another? Will you carry another life on your shoulders in your heart? Will you let your heart be burdened with a compassion for people and for God's mission on the earth? In this day, in this hour, will you come with us, church? Will you come with us, church? Why don't you stand here tonight? And if you know you've just got a little bit of something to give to make a difference for someone, will you lift your hands here tonight just so I can see that you're with us, so he can see that you're with us? You've got something to offer. You've got goodness to give. Oh, Lord, we just come before you tonight and we just, we put ourselves on the altar again. God, we put ourselves, Lord, we don't want to slumber. Lord, we don't want to be away sleeping when you're in the Garden of Eden with, with tears of sweat of blood coming out of your, that crowd, that head, but, but praying under such pressure. Lord, we don't want to be found sleeping in this hour. When you're carrying the world in your heart in this hour, Lord, we want to lean in. We want to lean in. We're saying yes. We're going to get some backbone, Lord. We've got something to offer. We've got the light of Christ on the inside of us. We've got the power of Christ on the inside of us. So tonight we say yes. We will love one another. We will love another on your behalf. Lord, we're responding to the call tonight. We're leaning in. Lord, we don't grow tired or weary in doing good because we're empowered by your Spirit. So, Lord, I thank you that you feel, you feel, you feel overflowing the people of Silverwater tonight. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, they are more than able. Oh, Lord, they can lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, they can lift you up. They can lift you up in their places, in their sphere of influence. Empower them tonight for your Holy Spirit. Oh, we lean in. We lean in to you tonight, God. You're so good. You're so kind. We will lift our voice. We will lift our voice. We will shout it out. We will not be silent. We will not be 